Our reading comes from Philippians 1, verse 12 onwards. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served the advance of the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For, to, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for the progress and joy in the faith. So that through, so that through my being with you, Again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, um, life sometimes has its um, setbacks and, and difficulties and, and challenges. And sometimes it seems as though when you become a Christian, um, it is the end of your problems, but it's also the, the beginning of a, a few more problems as well. Um, occasionally it seems as though becoming a Christian is to hang a sign around your neck um, with the word target on it. And uh, it can be the experience of Christian people in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, that we can feel somewhat targeted because of being a Christian. But what um, this passage that we read together is saying to us is that 
uh, whatever circumstances might throw at us, what kind of, whatever kind of troubles that we might face in our human life, that it's possible for those things not only not to destroy us, but those things to be used by us for the advance of our Christian life and the advance of the gospel. You mentioned um, Joan Brooks's Thanksgiving service, um, a statement from Paul's letter to the Romans that God has made us more than conquerors. And when you're made more than a conqueror, not only do you see victory, but you in fact use the, the force and the conflict and the opposition that might be coming to you, and you use it for um, uh, the benefit of growth and development. Not only not bowed by difficulty, not only not crushed by difficulty, but using difficulty to get stronger. Almost like those video games where um, the person going through the game absorbs the power of those things that are seeking to destroy and uses the power um, to, to advance rather than to be set back. Life can be a series of setbacks. And sometimes when we are set back, when we're on the, uh, the game of snakes and ladders and we encounter a long snake rather than a long ladder, we can kind of wonder what's up and what's down. So um, we need to uh, develop a, a fresh perspective, and that's what this passage helps us to do, a fresh perspective on life, its ups, its downs, its difficulties, its challenges. So um, the apostle talks about difficult circumstances there in verses 12 to 15. He speaks about being in prison for his faith. And of course, um, someone has said, you know, that um, to be an apostle, a preacher of the good news with a mission of going to the nations with the good news, and to be in prison is a little bit like being a concert pianist with your hands amputated. There he is, a preacher, um, wanting to go and announce and make advances, and he's in prison. He is confined rather than free. Difficult circumstances. But in those difficult circumstances, says the apostle, um, there are opportunities there are opportunities to develop and make progress. Uh, people might look on and think, this is humiliating. Who wants to have um, a leader of the church in prison? Who wants the kind of shame of that? It just seems like a humiliating and an impossible reversal that it's difficult to um, get out of. You know, uh, someone has written this, that um, the, Christian is, the Christian life is not a game of hide-and-seek with the pastor. Uh, Paul's presence or absence with the people in Philippi was not necessary for the advance of the gospel. He, he could be there and he could not be there and still God could be at work. Bad things can happen to God's people and yet God's work can be done in those people and God's work can be done in the church. So, being um, the church means coping with continuity and change. It means coping with the fact that sometimes things will always be the same and sometimes things always will be different. It was great to have the apostle 
in Philippi, founding the church. He was going to have him free, moving around the churches. But now he was in prison. It was a changed circumstance. It was a difficult circumstance. But it didn't mean the end of the world as we know it. The apostle has a great perspective. He's not able to alter the contours of his circumstances. Uh, Sometimes in life, we face circumstances beyond our control. But of course, we know that they are in the hands of another who can control all things, who is in charge of all things. Paul says, here I was in prison, and rather than being a reversal, this setback served it as an opportunity to advance the gospel there in verse 12. As a result, it became clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, you imagine the situation. and The, the guards are changed, and they have a conversation with the, the prisoner, and they ask, what is he in for? What is he doing? Is he a murderer? Is he a thief? Is he a traitor? And he says, well, no, I, I, I'm a... I'm a preacher, I, I, I tell good news, and intrigued, the soldier says, well, what's the news? And Paul tells the news, and the news passes into the lives of these guards and passes through the guards. I remember reading as a, a teenager um, some of the books of a man called Watchman Nee, a Christian in, in China, and, and he was imprisoned for his faith. And they had to change the guards regularly because they had this dreadful habit of becoming Christians. Paul says, well, it does seem like a massive reversal to be in prison if you're a preacher. But even in prison, there are opportunities. And far from holding back the good news, it served to advance the good news amongst those who are part of this this great this great city and amongst the Roman world. I was at a a day talking about communication with Rob Parsons. You may have heard of Rob Parsons. Um, A lot of courses on the family and marriage and all of those kind of things. He told a funny story about his hometown in Wales. He spoke about um, a guy called Di the Baker and his wife. Di the Baker had a, a small baker shop and everybody used to buy their bread from Di the Baker. One day, um, next to Di the Baker, they built a multi-storey Tesco. Multi-storey Tesco with a car park. And, of course, there was a bakery. And, of course, you know, when you go into these um, superstores, you have that lovely smell of baked bread. And people started to buy bread at the Tesco store. And fewer people came and bought bread at Di's store. He kind of just about made a living because of people who were loyal to him, but it was tough. Then, sometime later, Asda built a multi-storey supermarket the other side of the baker shop. And that also had a bakery, and people started to buy bread from there. Now, Di and his wife thought, well, what do we do? Um, We're selling some bread, but it's not enough to make any money. We've got to do something. We've got to see this as an opportunity. So they decided to start to sell not just bread, but groceries as well. And they changed the sign over the door. 
They put up a massive great sign between these two superstores, and the sign they put up was the word entrance. <laughs> Sometimes our perspective on life, our perspective on things that can be setbacks, can allow us not to be set back, but to advance. Now, that's a silly story, I know. But sometimes things that could cripple us could actually be an opportunity for us to advance and flourish. And I think that's what Paul is trying to say. I think it's what that story is trying to say too. So instead of a step back, a setback, the gospel advanced. Instead of going back, it went forward. So difficult circumstances. We might feel that in our lives, we've faced great setbacks. Maybe we're facing a great setback now. It's reducing our life. It's um, making our life more confined. It might be health. It might be economic. It might be a family situation or a, or, or a friendship group, something that is seemingly holding us back, a setback. Might, though, that be an opportunity for us to grow, advance? Might it be a, an opportunity for us to flourish? Perhaps it's not the destroying of us. Perhaps it's the making of us. Of course, then, not only were there difficult circumstances, but there were difficult people. It's astonishing to read these words. I don't know if you perhaps felt the surprising nature of the words when we had the reading. It is true, says the apostle, that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. What a remarkable statement that some people preach the good news of Jesus, the true good news of Jesus, out of rivalry um, to make things difficult. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not, sincere, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Just imagine it. Go to church down the road and they're preaching because they want to give John Woods a hard time. It's difficult to kind of believe that, isn't it? That anyone might dislike me so much. Well, you might not find it so difficult to imagine, but um, just imagine it. Someone preaching the good news in order to make trouble for the apostle. It's difficult to quite get into your mind what that might look like. We don't know who these people are. There's no description of them. But somehow, you know, churches do have their rivalries. Um, one church um, had a, um, a church. It was the Church of God. Um, and then another church opened, the only Church of God. Um, and then another one opened the only true church of God. Churches are great at rivalry, aren't they? Um, making themselves feel better than other people. Somehow or another, this happened here, but with the twist that the people preaching wanted to make it difficult for the apostle. Maybe you've got difficult people in your lives. Maybe it might be a husband or wife or child, or boss, or neighbor. Maybe you've got difficult people in your lives, and you think, these people are wrecking my lives. They're ruining my lives. I don't quite know how I'm going to get on. But again, there's perspective. 
the apostle strangely says that in these circumstances, he rejoices. But what does it matter, says the apostle in verse 18? The important thing is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. It is remarkable that the most negative experiences can be turned to positive ends. Of course, uh, we're Christians. We, we believe in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, what, what was perhaps to the eyes of those around the most negative thing that could happen to the cause of Christ. And yet, it was part of what is the transformation of human beings throughout the world through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his resurrection and his glorification. Perspective. And Paul says, I can continue to rejoice if you continue to pray for me. He's prayed for them, and he urges them to pray for you. I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is using, and it's not so obvious as you kind of read the letter, but he's using some words from the book of Job. He's using words from the book of Job from one of Job's speeches where he talks about being vindicated. He talks to his comforters and he says, I will be shown to be right. I will be delivered. I will be vindicated. So there in Job chapter 13, uh, we read these words. Job chapter 13. And from verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, the great biblical example of a man who felt that the whole of life was one massive setback was Job. And Paul takes this phrase from Job to say, well, I am experiencing a massive setback that seems to ask questions about the validity of the gospel. And yet, I am confident that through the prayers of God's people, I will be delivered. That this will not be the end of my story, the end of my usefulness. And it's good to know that, isn't it? That God is on our case that even when things are dark, that the heavens are like brass, when things seem impossible, that God is on our case. And there are no impossible things with God. He's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Paul believed that, and that's why he urged the people to pray. In fact, if we find ourselves in difficult circumstances or facing difficult people, perhaps we ought to ask people to pray for us. There's an opportunity at the end of the service. Um, the prayer team are available. If you find yourself in these circumstances, ask for prayer. Ask people to pray for you. When there are gatherings, pastoral groups, the midweek prayer meeting, ask for prayer. Pray for me. God does answer prayer. Of course, there are also, in life, difficult decisions. Um, Paul's decision is a, a really unusual one. He wrestles with a, a massive dilemma. The dilemma he has is whether he's to glorify God through his life 
or through his death? Am I going to live? Am I going to die? Am I going to be a martyr? Or am I going to continue to be useful? And, of course, these, these verses, which are beautiful and well-known to Christians thinking about life and death, are his wrestling with this challenge. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For, it, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. I feel really hard-pressed. I feel the, the weight of this particular choice. Um, and you can imagine the situation. Um, I've heard people say this. Maybe they've said it when they're on a, a bed of sickness, feeling as though perhaps it's their deathbed. Why doesn't the Lord take me? Um, and this is a particularly challenging thing. Maybe some older Christians, when they see younger Christians taken, they wonder why they've been left behind. Why doesn't the Lord take me? Of course, the apostle is, is, is wrestling with this. He realizes that certainly being with Christ is better than being in a prison cell. Being in Christ is better than anything. In fact, we were singing earlier about the fact that he is beautiful, and he is uh, we need to reckon um, more upon the beauty of Jesus. The fact that Christianity is a beautiful thing. It is something that's lovely. It's something that's desirable. It is the best of things, and it provides the best of lives. Yes, it is far better to be with Christ. But God wants us to be where he wants us to be, and sometimes he wants us to be here. Our oldest member, Ruth, she sometimes says, I don't know why God keeps me here. Well, I mean, perhaps God keeps you here so I can, I can refer to you in the sermon. Because of your prayers, because of your memory of what God has done in this place. Why has God kept me here? There's sometimes a mystery in the way God works, who he takes and who he leaves. Yes, it is better by far to be with Christ, but it can be more useful to be with God's people. I remember um, working as a, a teenager in a, in a bookshop in our hometown, a Christian bookshop. Someone came in. He was not much older than me. He was a dad, and he had children. And he says, well, you know, um, I just long to be with Christ. And I kind of thought, well, maybe you've got a bit of work to do before then. Um, uh, you, yes, it is better by far to be with Christ, but sometimes God wants us to be doing stuff here and now. We've got responsibilities, and Paul felt the weight of being available for these people. Oh, it's much better to go, but it might be more profitable for me to stay, says the apostle. Well, of course, the perspective is Christ. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, because there is more of Christ a better vision of him, a better appreciation of his beauty. My life is defined by Jesus Christ, 
And therefore, my death is a change of place, but it's not a change of company. I still am with Christ and will be with him forever. And of course, this is the perspective that helps us to live our Christian lives in every circumstance, as a Jesus, gospel-shaped perspective. And Paul says to the Christians there, as he speaks about this perspective, that this is a perspective that should shape the way that we live as Christians. Whatever, whatever, verse 27 happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Your public behavior should match up with your commitment to the message of King Jesus. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, now, what happens when difficulties face, are faced by some Christians? Some Christians get stronger. Some Christians get weaker. If a difficulty comes into their life, they feel, well, what, what goes first? And often it's, it's their, their faith, their, their, their commitment to Christ, their um, attendance at church. Um, sometimes they might blame Jesus for the difficulties that they have. Even though, as we read a passage like this and we read the New Testament, there are no promises that the Christian life is a fabulous, problem-free existence. It's never promised to be that. In fact, what is the call of Christianity? The call of Christianity is if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me. There is inbuilt Pain in being a Christian. There is inbuilt cost in being a Christian. And therefore, there will always be difficulties for those who are Christians. Whatever happens, remember that you're a Christian. Because ultimately, being a Christian will give you the resources that you need to continue in those circumstances, whatever life throws at you. Paul is going to say later on in this letter that the Christians are citizens of heaven they're a colony of heaven we are gospel people we are heaven's people and something of this good news is to be the flavor of our life and our choices there is something about being part of the christian community that helps us to face the setbacks of life i know that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel the church is a really vital place for helping people stand. Not as those who are alone, but those who are together. There's a great scene at the end of the Star Wars movie. Sorry about plot spoilers. It's a, it's a, it's a hazard of listening um, to preachers. But, um, uh, but it's only a small one. Um, there, there is a scene where, where you know, they're trying to overcome the, the enemy, which is kind of a fairly standard Star Wars type of thing. And they're finding it difficult. It's, um, it's, it's heavy weather. And suddenly they look behind them and kind of, there's a, an American Calvary moment where there's a whole bunch of, of, 
of various size and shape and conditions of spaceships that um, are coming um, not quite over the hillside, they're coming through, through space. And uh, someone says, it's the, it's the Navy. And then they say, no, it's not the Navy, it's just people. It's not Navy, it's just people. And it reminded me of, uh, of Dunkirk, when all of those little ships and little boats went to, to rescue um, the, the, the British exp uh, expeditionary force that were, were in France and needed to be brought back home. And virtually all of them were brought back and brought back by those tiny, tiny little ships. People who were anonymous, people who really had very little to offer, people who had boats that were tiny, but together they evacuated a whole army. There is something about the Church of Jesus Christ standing as one man contending for the faith of the gospel. There's something that strengthens us, that encourages us um, about that. There's something about the integrated church, the partnership of the church, that allows us to stand together in the things that we face individually as a church, as we preach the gospel, as we look into the future and, and see what God might have for us in the future. There is something about standing together in partnership that strengthens us and helps us. A recent writer has written a book called The Protestants. Sounds like a, a really exciting read for bedtime, um, but it is an exciting read. And it says there are two features about Protestants. They are warriors and they are lovers. They are warriors and they are lovers. They're warriors because they're willing to contest for the truth. They're lovers because they love their Lord they love the truth and they love God's people. Christianity is about knowing when to stand, what battles to engage in, fighting for what we believe in. But it's also about demonstrating love, standing as those who are one in Christ. Sometimes, when we have setbacks, what tends to play through our mind is that we are alone, that we are vulnerable, we are isolated. And suddenly we look behind us and we see all of those ships, not the Navy, but just people. We see the church that we belong to, the local church, the church worldwide. We're encouraged by that, strengthened by it. These are our resources. And as we do that, we are stronger together, says the Apostle, as we seek to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. In no way be alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them and of salvation for you, and that too from God. If life is difficult, don't be afraid. If difficult circumstances come into your life, don't be afraid. If difficult people come into your life, don't be afraid. If you have difficult choices, dilemmas in your life, don't be afraid. God is with you. And although it seems sometimes as though 
everyone doesn't believe and hardly anyone does believe. Sometimes it seems as though the gospel is, is not the flavour of the month in our community or in our world. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. The gospel is true. Jesus is a victorious saviour. The message of the gospel is true. And we can bank our life on it. In fact, if he is the beautiful saviour, if the gospel is true, if the future is his, well then to take any other side is perilous. To take any other side than Jesus is to face death that is not gain, is to experience life that is not full, enriching, and encouraging. It is to be lost, and it is to be irretrievably lost forever. This is a perspective, isn't it? That sometimes there is temporary, earthly difficulty, but it's part of an eternal weight of glory. That's perspective, isn't it? Sometimes there is delayed gratification in human life. Sometimes things don't always go our way. Sometimes we need to make choices that can be difficult for us. And sometimes the payoff is, is not here on earth. The payoff is in eternity. What's the sense of someone who in their 20s is a martyr for Jesus Christ, who has not got married, has not had children, who has not lived their lives, just given their lives. What's the point? What's the point if we don't think of this eternal perspective? For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also suffer for him. Paul says to the Philippian Christians and to us that when you see the dossier, of your Christian life. It doesn't have the title Christianity Made Easy. There is something about Christianity that has difficulty woven into it. But it's a difficulty that we face, never alone. For me to live is Christ. He is with me. And to die is gain. It is gain because we have been woven into the storyline of Jesus and the gospel. The saviour who died and rose again and is coming again. There are setbacks in life. There are frustrations in life. There are impossible situations and impossible people. That's part of the cost of living the Christian life, part of taking up the cross and following Jesus. But the setbacks don't have to destroy us. I've used the story before. It's a, a simple story about two young children, a boy and a girl, the girl slightly older than the boy. They're taking a walk. And the sister says, we need to walk up this path. And the boy, who's younger and finds it more difficult to walk, says, this is not a path, it's all bumpy. 
And the girl turns to her brother and says, it is the bumps that you climb on. It is the bumps that you climb on. And that's what Paul is saying to us in this passage. There are many bumps in my road, but by God's grace, he has allowed me to climb on them. Not to be downed by them, but to advance by them. What's your path like? Jesus was with you in that. And he can bring you through. Commit yourself to him. Maybe go and speak to someone at the prayer team. Ask them to pray for you. And perhaps you might find advance in your life and circumstances by God's grace. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and thank you that you are so good to us in, in telling us the truth, in, in giving us a perspective on the way we live our lives. We thank you that you don't give us uh, sugar-coated promises. We thank you that you do not deceive us with a, a rosier picture than is actually the case. We thank you that you are honest with us about how difficult, how difficult life can sometimes be but also that you are very open with us about the resources that we have in the Lord Jesus to encounter life and the difficulties that it throws up. Father, we would pray for perspective. We pray, Father, that you help us to, to see beyond the immediate, to see beyond the problem to the ways in which you can work within that problem, beyond that problem. Father, we come to you today and we commit to you difficult circumstances, difficult people, difficult decisions in our lives. And Father God, pray that you will help us to find joy and to find strength in the Lord Jesus, in the good news, and in the church. Help us, we pray, as we stand as one to know your help and we pray that as we receive your help, Jesus will receive the glory and people will come to see the beauty of Jesus and the gospel. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.